Um, who owns that land? If you've listened to some news sources, they have said that uh, Israel has been in possession of Gaza for many, many years. That is not true. Um, a Bible scholar or really a student of history would know that. Uh, Gaza's always been, and the Gaza Strip, Gaza's one city, but the Gaza Strip includes many cities. But it's always been something that's been a problem dating back to Joshua's time and even with David and Solomon. And you, we can see in the Bible where there were conquests made up until that point. Famously, uh, Samson died at Gaza as he brought down the temple to Dagon there. But it's interesting to see now, you're looking at biblical history that we're being told is litigated by politics. So a lot of people would look at our president right now, who is Democrat, and he would say, or people would say, he naturally is not for the rights of Israel because historically there are some issues with the Democratic Party and Israel, and they call it Palestine. That is a new Greek word for Philistines or Canaan. So when you hear it called Palestine, it is going back to the time before God promised it to Abraham, which it was still God's land. But you hear all these designations and the occupation of Palestine and all this stuff that can become very political in nature, and it has be become political. But as a result of that, we forget, or we just never knew, what did God say about this place? And so I did a lot of research this week because I was really um, impressed in a negative way by what happened over the weekend. It just shook me, and you know, now we're, you know, there's reports coming out. I'm not going to say it because you, you most, most likely know about it, but just gruesome things were done to young women and children, toddlers, babies, uh, things that it's, it's terrible. And you come to find, like, this is not something brand new. This is something that's been going on for a very, very long time. And what we're seeing here is the potential for Israel to take that piece of land uh, or at least make it uh, inhabitable. I don't know how many of you have seen some of the responses from Israel, but it makes these small rocket attempts from Hamas out of Gaza look like child's play. Um, I'm seeing videos of just entire cities in, uh, or excuse me, in, in entire city blocks just totally destroyed in, in one second, just a plume of smoke. Gaza, the Gaza Strip is about to run out of power very soon because they have, Israel has cut it off and Egypt has closed its borders to refugees. You're talking about two million people that live in this densely populated area. Eight out of ten of those people are on daily food aid. There's just a lot of tension and problems that are going on in that region. And you're seeing a lot of spin. You're seeing a lot of spin. And what I want you to know is we are not pro-Israel because we are also conservative in nature. We're not pro-Israel because we're, we vote Republican or because the past president was very strong for Israel. We should be pro-Israel because that is God's chosen people. And this land was given to them by him. And the only person you're going to find in this study, it's a two-part study, the only person who will be able to bring in the full legislation and authority to reign in that land, it hasn't happened yet, is Jesus Christ. How exciting. You know him. He knows you. And we, and, and we just have this ability now to see the conflict is rising. And these discussions are rising. And you're starting to see what I think is, you know, these are the birth pangs, wars and rumors of wars. And we've been seeing this for a while, but especially when you see it to this magnitude, you start looking and saying, 
Is there anything in Scripture to indicate this? Some people have looked at Psalm 83 and said that this is a Psalm 83 war. Not sure entirely about that. There may have been something that has correlation to that because Psalm 83 is very, I don't want to say vague, but it's all-encompassing. Um, some people said, is this the Ezekiel 38 war? No, because Russia is not involved. However, Russia has just taken their opportunity to stand with the people of Palestine. And uh, that's a direct support of what's going on with Hamas, which is a terror agency within there. Uh, people are having a hard time calling it what it is. We're getting militant group instead of terrorist organization, and people are starting to take sides. You have people in our Congress that are standing with the Palestinian people as far as they're not being clear on it. Of course, they'd never say they stand with Hamas because they know what that means. But these lines are being blurred. And you're seeing here this war that Israel is fighting, and they are paying for it in blood uh, from this surprise attack that happened on them, could continue for a while until possibly you could see the Gaza Strip. Um, no one could live there, and you would be curious as to what would happen next. Regardless, we know that there is nothing left to happen before the Lord comes back. He could come back at any moment. But could this be the turmoil and the chaos that escalates to such a point where you have all nations involved in Israel's defense to where you would need a man coming and uniting everybody, like the Antichrist? You could see something like that starting to play out. I would, if I were you, I'd pay attention to who's saying what and start listening for anything that says peace and safety and peace and safety. A lot of wartime discussion right now, obviously, because they're in war. But it's all interesting to see. And so I went to the Internet, and I started to look, and what I wanted to see was a biblical map progression of the promises of Israel as they were given. Of course, the first thing that's said is in Genesis 12. We're going to look at that in a minute. Then we can go through and see how there's several distinctions and clarifications when God says to this point and this point, to this point and this point. And I found a great source from a church in California that, according to their doctrinal statement, they're clear on the gospel. I emailed the pastor and I said, hey, I would like to use this tonight. Uh, can I have permission? He said, absolutely. So I want to show this to you tonight and I want to show you these. You know, I pulled out the images and made information relevant instead of going through. It's about, a, it's about an 11-page document that goes through. And we're splitting it into two parts. We're going tonight from... The promise that God gave to Abram, who later became Abraham, all the way up until A.D. 135 when the Jews totally lost out on the land. And then next week, we'll look at the 1916 discussions leading into the form, the form that we have today and the Six-Day War and all that kind of stuff. I think it'll be helpful for you because you're definitely going to be pressed on issues like this when you say you're pro-Israel. There's a lot of propaganda out there, and I always want to arm you with biblical support Okay, I think it would impress people to see how much the Bible talks about present-day issues. But number one, they don't know it. And number two, you have an opportunity to tell them if it's in discussion. So I think this will be a blessing to you. If we can turn the uh, lights off, that would be good. We'll leave the overhead lights on, Jan. That quadrant of four there is good. And then, Warren, if you can cut the overhead lights there. You can leave those on, Jan. All right, very good. Okay. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, which was Ur, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show unto thee. Now this is important here. I got the big laser for tonight. I will show... Impressive, right? I had to get this. Don't look at the 
I had to get this. That I will show unto thee. He's going he's gonna to show it later, but he's, he's calling Abraham out, and he's saying, as a result of this, I'm going to put you into a specific place. I'm going to do it. I'm calling you to do it. I want you to believe me. And we know later in Romans, it's counted unto him for righteousness. And I will make of thee, number one, a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So you can see right now in the news, when you see nations siding against Israel, this has not ceased. This is still in effect. So when you see the United States of America allying with Israel, it's not a, it's not a Republican propaganda piece, although it's been used in that way. This is standing with biblical truth. And I think our nation has been blessed greatly in our support of Israel. We're supporting Israel now. Even with the presidency and the shape that it is, Biden is responding to make sure that Israel has the ammunition and support that it needs to defend itself from this surprise attack that happened um, several days ago now. Interesting, I want you to see a New Testament connection here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed where the promises made, you see right there in Genesis chapter 12 where those promises are, he saith not to seeds as of many, but as of one. And now we have through, this is called progressive revelation, we have information that is in Genesis that is given, God expounds upon it, and now through the Holy Spirit, through the author of the Apostle Paul, we're getting more information about this, not as seeds of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is who? Christ. And then we have it later on in the passage, the same chapter there. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in the anointed, the chosen, the Messiah, Christ, Jesus. And if ye be Christ, now this is not a conditional thing, Paul is arguing from what has already happened. Contextually in Galatians, they thought they, ha- they were now outside of the body of Christ because they didn't do the circumcision that the law required because they had Jewish legalists, Judaizers, coming in and changing what the gospel is. Paul's reminding them of what they had already believed and he's giving them more support as to, by faith, you're in this promise, you're grafted in Jew and Gentile, and if you be Christ. Then ye are Abraham's seed. So this is, I think this is exciting. We are in that promise because of faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? So when you stand for the people of Israel and you are not an Israeli by birth, doesn't matter. Because we're all one of these, you know, at some point or something like that. Doesn't matter if you're born of the family physically, meaning you're a part of the nation of Israel, or you are now grafted in. You're in. This is a beautiful thing. What is the dividing line? Are you in Jesus Christ? It's the gospel. This is why we don't move off the gospel. It's rudimentary. It's the building blocks. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs. According to what? This promise that was given to Abram. So this is why we stand for Israel. This is why we... We do the things that we're doing now. This is not, well, I guess our church is conservative in nature, so we do this. No, this is God said it, so we're going to stand by it. This will never change, by the way. There's nothing that ever changes this. 
I don't have a ton of time, but I do want to say very quickly, you're going to hear about replacement theology as you grow in your Bible knowledge and you find YouTube pastors and stuff. There are free grace preachers out there that teach the gospel, but they teach that God is finished with Israel. That is not true. This replacement theology leads you to a post-wrath, which means at the end of the tribulation, rapture. Because they think the church has now become Israel and therefore is going to go through the tribulation period. There's a new thing. That new thing is we're in Christ Jesus. I talked extensively about this body that we're in now in uh, last Sunday night. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. It'd be helpful. But we see this promise available also to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, now let's get into some maps. You say, that's really small. Don't worry, big map's coming. But we've got to go through some stuff here first, okay? So in Genesis 13, take your Bibles and go to Genesis 13. I'm not quoting all the scripture there, but I want you to see the, the significant scripture of action so that you can, you can see clearly what the instructions are here. Genesis 13, 14 through 15. Uh, 15 and verse 17 is a explanation now it's it's still vague but it is now a building upon specifically of the length and the breadth the width of the land that this nation was going to possess look in verse 14 of genesis chapter 13 page 22 and the lord sent unto abram after that lot was separated from him Lot went towards Sodom. We know how that ended. But now God deals with Abram and he says, Lift up thine eyes, which means look. Look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward in all directions. Verse 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it. And to thy seed forever. Now, I just think it's interesting. Galatians just said, he didn't say seeds as many, but seed singular, and we know that's in Jesus Christ. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. What does that mean? Okay, this means innumerable. It's, he's speaking in a hyperbole here. You, it would be like, count the little individual piece of dust in the, what does it say? Uh, of the earth. Go ahead. You start here, I'll start over there. <laughs> we can't do it. It's innumerable. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Then he says specifically, arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So focus on the verse here, which is verse 17. Arise, walk through the land, the length and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. So we have this first chart. Starts up here, walks all the way down through Canaan, which is in possession. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no debate here that these, this was possessed by a previous uh, group of people. But God has, through his sovereignty, given it to Israel. He comes down to Egypt for a bit. Remember, he sort of joins there and then makes his way back up. So you've got a lot going on here. I believe this is the Dead Sea, I think. Galilee's up here somewhere. But you see the coastline here. Gaza, right about there. The Phoenician coast, right about there. These are two disputed areas for a long time. This one finally caved in, but this one is what we're seeing a lot of the problems today, right there in that region. 
So then the promise is expanded further. More details are given. Look in Genesis 15. (laughs) Don't worry. Big map coming. Little map for now. Specifically, I want you to see in, uh, well, we'll read the whole passage here. Genesis 15, 18 through 20. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant saying, uh, with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he goes through all the ites, all the different people or groups in which this land in which they possess right now will be given to Israel. For the sake of time, I'm not going to butcher all those names. But I do want you to see here, this is the same area that Abram already walked, which is already promised. But we have some new boundaries set. The great river, the rivers Euphrates, all the way down through here, there's Galilee, uh, excuse me, there's the Dead Sea again, Gaza over here. And now we have the river Egypt, which is the Wadi El Arish, which is right there in the Sinai Peninsula, by the way. And you know this already. Does Israel possess anywhere close to this right now? No, not even close. It's a very small percentage right here. But this is what, and God goes through and he tells all the different lands that are now going to be Abram's, according to this covenant that God made with him. Now there's more, okay? Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Let's go there. Moses leading the people to the promised land, and they say, there are giants in the land, we can't do it. There are two spies that say, uh, no, we can do it, but Israel has already made a decision to um, act out of unbelief. By the way, this is the warning in Hebrews. You miss the rest, as Israel missed the promised land and had to suffer in the wilderness, so we as believers can miss the rest that we can enjoy now. Not, we're not missing heaven, but the rest that we have now in Christ for fear of unbelief. So I was talking to Trent about this today. Complaining is a very, very easy thing to do. We were just in discussion of things, and we talked about how easy it is to identify problems. Anybody can do that. The real work is done identifying solution and implementing the solution. That's where you see real progress. Not very many people are doing that. It's very easy to murmur and complain. That's a very great, terrible sin. God punishes that severely. But we see in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates. River Euphrates has already been identified. What's new here? The Lebanon discussion, that's new. All the land of the Hittites unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. So all that focus here, look up on the map. We now have the promised land according to God's decree. This is the new section now. Maybe it's down here. Lebanon, modern day Lebanon. That's in discussion. All the way down to the coast here. And this is the great sea, the Mediterranean. All of this is yours, this entire coast. Is that true of Israel today? No, it's not. And this is where all the problems are today. And Gaza's been a city 
Specific, remember the Gaza Strip includes the city of Gaza, so that's not all like the state of Gaza. There's little cities in there. But that area is highly coveted. Why? Trade route. That's, that's where things go. You, that's where your exports are. That's where your imports come in. Hotly contested area. Just like this is too. These two areas down here on the Sinai Peninsula. So this is the promised land according to God's decree that Joshua was going to go in and conquest. And it was very, very brutal because of the people that were indwelling it. And remember, I, I just need to go back here for a moment. Remember, this is, this is who were already there. You study these ancient cultures, one thing that is, that is a common factor in each one of them is child sacrifice. Gruesome child sacrifice. And this is, and this is when, you say, when you hear people say, God is an evil and wicked and uh, uh, egomaniacal God, I think is the one that the atheists really like to throw out. It's because of these conquests that Joshua goes and does. But these people were not, I'm going to say this gently, uh, because you know, I want to make sure you understand. You're seeing similarities of what happened this weekend to what these people were already doing. The gruesome um, treatment of infants, you would think, who does that? This is, this is the type of culture that was existing in this time. To a, to a much worse degree. And so the reaction that you see here is, I'm not saying there's no forgiveness. Forgiveness is available, but there is a point where people sear their consciences and they're, they're gone. They're out. This is why God had so, so very, he, he had very serious instructions about particular sins. And our system today, our, our court system today, allows people to live for sins that God said, if they found guilty on this, it's, it's done. Can you imagine if we had capital punishment for every single instance of murder? Do you know what would happen? Murder rate would go down because the government has the power to execute the authority of God to take the life of somebody who takes the life of another. You know why we have a problem with murder today? There's no penalty. It's not enforced. God uses his sovereignty to establish properly what he has given to Israel. But it's the conquest of these groups here. And that's where all this stems back to. You want to talk about the occupation of Palestine? People don't go back this far normally. Like when you're listening to AOC talk about, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not sure she knows either. But when she has a discussion about the occupation of Palestine, and, and I watched this video where this reporter kept pressing her, can you explain that? Can you explain that? And she goes, I don't know. I'm not a politician. <laughs> okay. But these, these are people that are legislating how we... Uh, affect these things. But when you see people say they're in support of, of, uh, against Israel's occupation of Palestine, it's going back to these things, back to these times. So in Numbers 34 and Joshua's thir Joshua 13 through 21, which by the way, Joshua 13 through 21 is not devotional reading. It is the reading of real estate. This is what is discussed. All the tribes of Israel, this is your possession. Now, these yellow areas were what God had said would be the length of it, but they didn't possess it fully. But this is where all the 12 tribes were, there, were given. And you just, you know, take your hand, you know, you go to like Joshua 14 and just go somewhere and it says, and this portion here, and this portion here, and these two cities here, and 
all of that. And the cities of refuge are discussed in Joshua and all these different things. I did a paper on that in college and it was very tedious. But now you look at it today and you go, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of structure here and how God set things up and how he divided the land amongst his people. We're getting to the last part here, which we're, we're, we're doing right on time. So in 1 Kings 8.65, there is a statement made that people came for sacrifices all the way from the top of this region here and all the way from the bottom of the region here. So it's believed, I'm not saying there's biblical support for this, but we think possibly in 1 Kings 8.65, it shows that in the reign under David and Solomon, Israel had some type of full-length possession. Now, there's something important here. That's why I blew up the map. This Gaza Strip, okay, never has really been in possession as it should be, okay? It was given to Judah. Judah is supposed to go in and take it. They went all the way up to it, didn't take it. And then there was, there was an attempt, but there was a lot of armory and artillery there that stopped them from being able to fully do it. So the point that I'm making here, because this, this is the last slide, that even though it's possible that David or under Solomon's reign, there was a full possession of the length and width of it here, it was not in full possession because these two regions never came under control. Why is that significant? It's significant because the only person that's going to be able to take full possession of the land that was promised is the seed which is Jesus. I, I, I know you're not excited about this. I get it. I understand. But for me, that's amazing. It's amazing that the, the term in Genesis is seed singular. And it's not a typo. You don't find it one place here it says seeds, uh, and then one place it says seed. When Paul said it's not to seeds as many, but to seed as one, and that seed is Jesus Christ, and you look back at the fact that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, this is major prophecy. This is major credibility to the accuracy of the Bible. And the fact that I'm known by Jesus Christ because I put my trust in him, I'm an heir according to the promise of this. I look at what's happening over there today and gruesome and terrible, yes, but I know just as sure as Jesus came back from the dead, there is coming a time when he will rule and he will rule righteously and do it correctly. And no one's going to be able to take it from him. Not even the devil when he's loose for a thousand years. That's exciting stuff. Again, I know. I'm nerding out here. But this is a part of our faith. I want you to see these things because, you know, we're not just, I'm pro-Israel because my party's pro-Israel. We got chapter and verse here. And I think these beautifully simple maps that show us this is all the potential of what it could be. Now, next week we're going to look at, well, by the way, from this point on until about 135 AD, all of this began to shrink, okay? And there was a failed rebellion, I can't pronounce it, bar something, but it was a failed rebellion by the last attempt to possess land in the Jewish state. It was wiped out by Rome about 135 AD. And since from that point until 1948, they were not in possession of the land. There was a, there's something that happened with, the, the, with uh, Britain and the war that happened there with the Ottoman Empire, who was the last one in possession before the Jews got in their rightful land. And that's where we'll pick up next week. And we'll look at how 
okay, we got to stop. But you'll look at how much was promised in the, the, the legislation of powers, okay? These powers are not greater than God, but they act like it. Oh, you can have this much, and then you know, you'll, you'll see what they actually got and where we are today. So go ahead and close your Bibles. We can turn the lights back on. If you want a link to this PDF, I gratefully give it to you. Uh, it's really good stuff. The guy writes simply. Like I said, his website, he, he, he appears to be clear on the gospel, which I, I think is wonderful. Um, but he also, and we're going to go into this next week, there's, there's a Hebrew word study that we can do to the specific language in, these, these, uh, in this covenant. And you can see how it's not, there is some interpretation on the word everlasting that it means for a long, long time, or it really means into time you know, without end. And you see all the words that are used specifically in this covenant between God and Abraham and how significant it is to today. Because if time is still going, then Israel still promised the land. Amen? So that's an exciting thing. All right, look up here. I want to share with you the greatest news in all the world. I'll let this hand represent you, me, and everybody in the face of the planet. And I'll let this block of sin represent exactly what it is. This is sin. Put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, he loves us very much, but he hates our sin because it separates us from him. In order to get to heaven and be with him forever, we have to be sinless. Not sinless, but without any sin. And this is a major problem because we all have fallen short. The wages for sin is death, eternal separation from God forever in a literal fire-burning hell. There is no amount of good works that could ever pay for this, going to church, reading your Bible, supporting God's people, although there is a blessing involved in that. That blessing is not eternal life just for the support. And people think they can do their own good works and think they can stand before God and say, I did it of my own accord. Matthew 7 says that there will be many that say in that last day, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's a significant statement to works do not save you. So what does save us? Well, we need a payment for sin. And this hand will represent Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, who came into the world, took on a body, and went to that cross for you and for me. He took that sin, the sin of all the world, those who would believe and those who would never believe. He paid for it all. And once he was buried and he came back three days later, it was a proof that sin was not only paid, but also that everything he said before was verified and, and validated. That he is the Messiah and he will come back and rule and reign. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want deliverance, if you want salvation, you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. The moment that you do, you receive the free gift of everlasting life, and you are grafted into the promise that was given. And that's a great place to be, and that will never, ever end. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. You're kept by Him. You're kept by the Father. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's great news, ain't it? So then we look at prophecy stuff like this, and you're like, "Woo!" <laughs> if all that's true, we know this is true, and we're watching it. As Dr. Lindstrom would say, we're reading uh, tomorrow's headlines today in the Bible. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Heads are bowed, nice are closed. If you're watching on the internet tonight, maybe you popped in because of the title and you're curious of what's going on in the world and looking for an explanation, I pray that you would see your need for a Savior. If you're trusting in your own good works to save you, I pray that you would change your mind about that and put your trust in Jesus Christ. That what he did on the cross paid for all your sins, that he was buried and he rose again. The moment that you do that, the Bible says that you're saved, and I'd like to pray for you. 
If you'd send us an email or leave a comment on whatever platform you're watching on, we'll be more than happy to reach out to you. For those of us in the audience, I know all of you personally, I, I pray that these things would encourage you, but that you would not cease in prayer for God's people who are suffering. Primarily, we need to pray that they would accept their Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, and pray for the Lord's return, that he will bring that vengeance as he only can do. In Jesus' name, oh, let's pray. Father, thank you for everything that you've given us. We do pray for your people in Israel, that they would first put their trust in your son. But Lord, we also pray for your soon return. In Jesus' name, we pray these things.